Hey, Elaine. Hello. I feel I need to stage an intervention. An intervention for yourself or for someone else? I can't really stage an intervention for myself. I don't think that's quite how interventions work. Okay. Who's it for, then? It's for you. Oh, no. What is it? I think you've spoke more to me about Portrait Artist of the Year (laughs) than I have ever spoken to you about wrestling. And that's just in the past week. Yeah. There's a funny thing, isn't there? I am um, at a point in my life where I need to take extra care of my mental health. And when I do that, when that happens to me, I tend to go into pop culture as a means of helping myself. It is a, um, I was going to say a comfort blanket, but it's also, it's something I think that could be prescribed to me as a as a person um gp said to me recently that they had prescribed a darts night to someone which i think is brilliant because individualistic isn't it yes um i think a gp could prescribe television to me and without genuinely without any sort of like without any tweeness or without any sort of like you know wink wink and a nudge that would genuinely be something that would be useful for me so um when I feel that that way, I do retreat into television and I tend to stick to one thing. And it just so happens that the one thing that I've drawn on this time around is Portrait Artist of the Year. Um, it is, it's just beautiful. And it has a structure to it that I think is very soothing, particularly if you are going through a tough time. In that there were just these these nice people most of them are like introverts um one of them has just said like art is for introverts who like who who need to show off a little bit like showing showing off for introverts which i thought was a really interesting way of looking at they're nice people from all around the country um they they are split into there's i think there's three six six nine there's nine of them three threes on three sorry threes. yeah i'm working it through masters never must wrong point um, there's nine of them and they're split into three groups and each group of three gets a celebrity to to paint and they're all in the same room together they're just divided off and they have four hours to paint this, the portrait of the celebrity and then at the end they turn the easels round and the celebrity gets to choose one like choose the one they want to take home with them and then a selection of art historians and art um, experts also look at all the portraits and then they pick three to go to a shortlist and then one goes to the semi-final and then you know obviously go to the final and the the um the be all and end all of it is whoever gets picked towards the end gets a commission to paint someone very famous and this latest um what would you call this latest season that's on at the moment so it's live on at the moment is you know you get ten thousand pound commission to paint sir lenny henry And then it goes up in the National Portrait Gallery. Now, only a few months ago, I was in the National Portrait Gallery looking looking around at things. And I'm now thinking, have I seen the portrait of Selene Henry? Um, But I'm also going down to London um, in the future as well. And now I'm really excited about the fact that it might coincide with. And I I always go to the Portrait Gallery. I go on a night time because it's free and you can walk around on a night and it's very calming. And I like to see some of the really older portraits. Like there's a beautiful portrait of Mo Molum. the they've got a Tracy Emin in there at the moment her self-portrait so it sort of speaks to me on a number of levels but also my other favorite thing to do is take photographs of the portraits and send them to you and play guess who it is <laughs> guess who it is. and I always start with the portrait that perhaps is the least like some people do have a bit of a mare on on the day yeah and or they're a bit abstract and their likeness isn't really there. So it's quite funny to send it to you who knows absolutely nothing about which celebrity is. And then you have to guess. And you've done really well, actually. You've been doing really well. in get, like You'll get it wrong like, with the first one and then I'll send you the next one and then it sort of all comes together. So it's it sort of works on lots of levels. It's really calming for me. It's given me something that I can watch watch like on a on a repeated level which really really helps me but also I feel I can involve you a by talking to you about it quite a lot clearly and b by playing guess the celebrity portrait that this is see the thing that I love about this is 
I know that in three weeks you will have completely forgotten about this TV show yes, and moved right. on to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just for the last couple of days, you've been yeah. like, the only thing I can compare it to is, you know that episode of Friends mm. where there's a doctor who loves Fonzie? Mm-hmm. You're like just walking in the kitchen going, oh, they really didn't pick the right people. It's yes. like the doctor when, you go, when he's just walking around going, oh, Fonzie. And then <laughs> with no context. I do also have these little dreams of one day being in the show and I think this is we yeah, have very different dreams I know, let me just I know, clear that it, but it does really really is helping um I do I have every now and again I go in a little daydream of oh well if I um let's say I got published and um I wrote a book and I got published and um I was invited on to to sit wouldn't it be lovely to have it like I think it's a really beautiful thing to have a portrait of yourself and obviously you get to pick the one that you like but I think, and I know we've discussed this because obviously we've been discussing it a lot recently, but we've discussed this. You said you wouldn't have it on the wall. Oh, I think it's weird to have a portrait of yourself up on the wall. I think if it was done in this context, not like I'd gone out there and gone, someone please paint me, and it's like a local artist. But we have pictures of Jaws and Back to the Future up on the wall. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be putting it in the living room. I wouldn't like be sticking it above the telly or anything. Where would you put it? Probably in the office. <laughs> Which office? Like well, your office? With the Star um, Wars wallpaper? No, I'm thinking I'm thinking about <laughs> thinking about how t- see this is going into too much detail now. But I'm thinking about how all the changes that are gonna happen to the house over the next few months. And I'm thinking about the office space that will become available. You know, like a bit more of a blank canvas. Let me just make it clear. Yes. You know we take the piss out of people's backgrounds when they're interviewed on like the news. Yes. Having a portrait of yourself, yourself in, the in the background is worse than... Yes. The, than... But it would have a lovely story to it. Like, oh yeah, that was the time I went on television and someone painted me and that was the one that I picked. So when David James had pictures in the background that he'd clearly painted and... Uh... No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. It was, this, it was are we talking about lockdown when everyone had to create a background when they were being interviewed on the telly and yeah something. and david james was i think it was during the euros david james was regularly mm. interviewed on sky sports and had a different picture that he'd painted just propped up in the background every time there were other people as well wasn't there someone who change had yeah um sorry. oh i thought you were going to change it back <laughs> no 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 uh, there was there was um there was someone who had was it like were they um newspaper front pages yes yeah it was someone sporting i can't quite mm. think who it was it was someone like it was someone like Matt Dawson or mm. Phil Tufnell or yes. someone like that who had like like the moon landing moon landings and Nelson Mandela being released from prison and we then we played a game you could say we were bored at the time we played a game of like which front page would we have in the background and I don't think we came out particularly well I don't think we could repeat the ones <laughs> I don't think they could go in the have. in the back of it but yeah I've I've really enjoyed I know we're I'd have not... Guy Goma appearing on BBC <laughs> but I don't think that was quite front page it was uh I would really recommend Portrait Artist of the Year. There are 10 series. I did not know this. Oh, and fuck. I'm working my way back. So at the moment, I am watching the 10th series, obviously, but I'm waiting for the next episode. I am at the semi-final of season nine. So I'm just working my way backwards. I think once I've got through all 10 series then it it will go away you you will i'll move on to something else i might um, go away first you might go away. i might be yeah. reading our instagram our twitter and our tinder bios well, just on a serious note though i do think and we've, we've said this before and the, the whole premise of this podcast was we had a horrible thing happen to us yeah when you are dealing with trauma when you are dealing with mental health television gets a really bad right it's seen as twee it's seen as light-hearted but television, film, and for me, music as well. I've been listening to a lot of new metal over the past few weeks, which I think, again, says something. It it helps. It really, really helps. I totally agree with you. Like, I went through a tough time about this time of year last year, and that was then that I got into, um, got into watching wrestling again. Mm. Like, that was... Before then, I was like, I knew a lot about wrestling, but I didn't necessarily watch it week on week. That cost me a lot of fucking money, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, yes, well, if you do travel around the world watching wrestling, you did. I mean, I don't go to portrait gallery. Um, you know, I didn't. I'm not going to the live recordings of these shows, although that would be nice. It'd be a lot cheaper than LA, you, even if you did. I'd suspect wrestling and then going to see the wrestling in LA. Anyway, it's good that though, wasn't it? <laughs> can, can we talk about some other television that isn't to do with portraiture? 
television, watching television. So I've got nothing because the only thing I'm watching at the minute is Colin from Accounts. Oh, okay. And are you enjoying it? Is it? Yeah, but it's, it's like six months old. It was really good. I love Colin from Accounts. It's right, the okay. thing that I watch on the treadmill. No, oh. seriously. <laughs> Oh, is yeah. that what you do? Yeah, I put it oh, on. Really? It's a nice half hour. Yeah, go for a little run well. on the treadmill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fab. And I find myself laughing. Is it? Fun- I was about to say, is it funny? Yeah, it's laugh out loud funny. Would I find it funny? And I know that's a difficult question. Yeah, because it's quite inappropriate dark humour that mm-hmm. not everyone would... I think everyone has that sort of humour that they find funny that they wouldn't necessarily repeat in front of the yeah, friends or put on a podcast. Yeah, we've, um, we've got a lot of that. Ours is kind of like that. Yeah. So, like... There are episodes where... Do you know what the premise of it is? I have no idea. I didn't even realise it was Australian until you were watching it the other day. And I was like, what is this? And then it dawned on me what it was. Okay, so it is uh, two people who are just happened into each other. Someone's crossing the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, some She walks out in front of a guy driving a car. Um, as he beeps at her or something like that. As it turns around, she flashes a breast at him. Like, to, like, yeah... As he's distracted, he runs over a dog. This is awful. Yeah. I'm not liking any of this. This is the first five minutes. Okay. The dog then goes to um, the vets, mm-hmm. and the dog is, is told, okay, so it's going to cost $12,000 to put yeah, him right. Veterinary. He's like, I don't really want to spend $12,000 on a dog that I don't own. Mm-hmm. She's like, you cannot have the other option. Okay. So I will pay you £12,000 to keep it. I don't have it right now. Right. So she can't keep pets in her house, so she moves in with him along with the dog that's called Colin from Accounts. It's it's very contrived, isn't it? Yeah. And then they hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. Do they fall in love with each other? Do they not? It's it's a real life couple um, who've written it and star in it, and it's yeah, it's it's really really funny. Like, but it's it's observational of just like shit moments in life, like. Having to sit there with your friend while a nan's about to die and stuff like that. It's that sort of right, thing. Okay. And how you act in those situations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, it's really good. But it's six months old, so I think most people will have seen it. But it's all on iPlayer if anyone wants to watch it. But yeah. I have three documentaries, which I'm going to go through at speed. Is one of them Portrait Artist of the Year? <laughs> no. One of them you're very excited about. Yeah, one of them you don't know that I've watched and well, I do because you text me saying I've got a brilliant uh, yeah, documentary but you, don't, you don't know which one it is That's you don't know the title of it or what it is so I'm ex- really super excited to talk to you about that because I feel that I have already spoken to you about the two that I'm going to start with um, and they're, they're linked together so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do them pretty pretty swiftly um, yes before Portrait Art of the Year, Artist of the Year came along I was getting <laughs> feedback on the mid 90s Man United squad and how funny they were I really like Gary Neville. So, I, so like, it's the David Beckham documentary. The, the, yeah, that? The, so um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about two documentaries together. So I'm going to talk about Beckham, which is on Apple TV Plus. Is Apple? I, I was thinking about this the other day. Is it Apple TV Plus? Is that what no? It's, it's Netflix for Beckham. Oh, so. is it Netflix for yes. Beckham? It's pronounced Netflix. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Um, I do know the, the other one. And the next one is the Colleen Rooney, I think they called it something like the Wagatha Christie story. Mm. Um, and that's on Disney Plus, which yes. is interesting. It's interesting it's on Disney Plus. So I'm, I'm going to talk about the two of them, like I say, briefly and together, because I think they, they talked to and they, they make me think about the same things. But the Beckham documentary, I think from a, a point of view of someone who knows a little bit about football but can't really remember which squads David Beckham was in, what happened. I mean, I, I remember the kicking of the foot up in the air and people getting very annoyed that he tripped someone else, you know. But I couldn't tell you what year that was. I couldn't tell you... 1998. What, you know, yeah, exactly. I couldn't tell you whether it was a World Cup or a Euros or, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, so I've got... Against Argentina. I've got some reference, but I don't have you know, all the knowledge. And I think that is the perfect positioning for the Beckham documentary. It's had a huge amount of press interest, obviously because there are various things that have happened in David Beckham's life, which the average person finds interesting. When you've got two highly 
famous people who are married, who have, you know, a number of children, where there have been rumours and allegations of extramarital affairs, you know, where there have been things about, you know, does he really want a does he want a knighthood? Um the fact that he was he went to over Qatar and um how that balances when he's talking about um, sexuality and human rights, you know. So all of these things is going on. They are interesting individuals, I think, just for the general person on the street. Then you put in the football, then you put in all, you know, the, the fame and the money. I think, though, it is perfectly positioned for someone who just knows that about them. And so when you're watching it, it plays out like a thriller. If you don't know the minute detail, you are on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next. And they build it like a thriller and they've got access to people like, you know, you've, you've got um, all of the, the Man United school, you've got Cantona, Neville, um, Paul Scholes, the... Um, that you know, the, the manager, you've got Alex Ferguson, who's very, you know, is really forthright in his, in his opinion, as you could imagine Ferguson would be. But then you've also got the president of um, Real Madrid, and you've got all these big players who I, I didn't know they were called the Galactic Galacticos, is yeah, that that's what they're right, called? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you're Roberto Carlos, you know, you're Ronaldo. See, see how I didn't know these people. Zinedine Zidane. Sorry, I, sorry, what was that name? Is it Zinedine? Zinedine Zidane. Zinedine Zidane. Okay. Well, look. I've got not got a lot to, a lot to a add to this. A couple of weeks like, ago, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't know who these... I feel I know these people. Um, and I think a lot of that boils down to the direction and the the intimate nature of... And, and, and the many, many hours that have been put into this documentary. And that absolutely boils down to the director, who is Fisher Stevens who most people I think now will know as, if you watch a lot of television, you'll know him as um, the uh, the communications guy from Succession. Um, doesn't he at one point, doesn't he do something about like woof woof or something like you're my dog? And there's, there's a particular line that he that gets, Hugo, about, yeah. he's called Hugo yeah. in Succession. But anyway... Um, if you you know Fisher Stevens, you know he, he's been in a lot of stuff throughout the eighties. Some of and which 90s. he's had to apologise. Some for. of which he, is, is in t- today's terms doesn't look partic- particularly good. But I think he he seems to be a real gentleman of Hollywood. People seem to really like him, and he is now a brilliant documentarian, and he does the Oscars for the documentary category. He's part of the the team that sort of like awards the Oscars for that category. And he is brilliant. He's brilliant in this. He sometimes appears on screen. He's speaking Spanish to people. You can see the rapport that he's built with the Beckhams and also with everyone else around them. And whilst my, my only criticism is I would have liked to have heard more about Qatar. I would have liked to have heard more about, you know, we've all heard this 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 rumour of, you know, a sweary email because Beckham didn't get a knighthood. I would have liked to have understood more about that. He doesn't push massively on the affair, but, you know, maybe that's not what we should all really be bothered about. Maybe we should really be focusing on what happens when a young lad who is incredibly talented, who's had a lot of pressure, and there's really, you know, it really digs into the amount of pressure he had, particularly from his father, who has all this pressure, who's ultra focused or who's made to be ultra focused then gets fame at a young age marries a spice girl and then goes all around the world sometimes by himself it, i think it's just a fascinating portrait of what happens when you are uber uber famous and that's why i've spoken to you a lot about it because that is the bit that i've really taken away Yes, there are the other things that are of interest because they're a bit salacious. Mm. But actually, it's the portrait of what happens when you take a young lad and you tell him he's really talented, but you also make him work really hard. And that becomes his entire life. At one point in the documentary, he says, you know, football, you know, I love football. Football is my life. My, I love my family too, but, but football is everything to me and you just think you know Mm. so 
I think I'm the one person on earth who hasn't seen this documentary and I probably will watch it before the end of the year just for top 10 lists and stuff like that um, I feel I know the story um, I certainly know it because you've told me a lot about it when you say it was like a thriller yeah what things what bits didn't you know because I feel I know quite a lot about David Beckham, both mm-hmm. through following football and also the fact he lives. Him and Victoria clearly um, have at times courted publicity mm-hmm. and yeah, used that absolutely. to their advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that, has, that excuses the role of the press mm-hmm. in certainly when he was very young uh, yeah. a guy. But yeah, what parts? Uh, I, I think it's, it's really difficult to when you say that you know so much about it for me to then second guess, but I think the thriller elements for me were, you know, I didn't know when certain things were going to end. I didn't know where, if he was going to stay with a club or leave a club. I didn't know how that, leaving, because obviously he did leave a number of clubs, how that manifested itself. And so all of that came as a real shock to me, actually. Sometimes the brutality of it came as a real shock to me. And I didn't know where he was going to go. So when he's saying, oh, I'm going to America, and then the next minute he's going somewhere else, that just it's you know oh when they're talking about being friends with Tom Cruise and you know and you're seeing video video footage and so you're led down one path and then suddenly he's off somewhere you know Mm. those things were a real shock to me but also sort of the the I suppose the marriage behind it you presume that you would perhaps talk to your partner about these big decisions and it really struck me that in the footballing world one day you're living in one country, the next day you're living in another, yes. and there hasn't been a discussion. That's the the behind the scenesness of it. I found really interesting. Does Dan Bowers get interviewed at any point <laughs> no, about out doesn't. of your mind? No, he doesn't. I mean, it's what's really sad actually is that you don't. It is Beckham, as in David Beckham. I would really like to see, and I think Victoria Beckham comes across incredibly well. In this, and I think I felt a great deal of sympathy and empathy for her. Actually, as much as you can have for someone who's clearly got a very, very comfortable lifestyle, and you know, beautiful houses, and the, seemingly the world at the fingertips, um, I, I still felt that there were, as a woman and as a mother, there were things that would have tested me a great deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Beckham, I think, is an absolute must-watch. I think it is one of those sort of like top ten of the year. I think it will be mm. um, somewhere around my, my, my top ten. But the the next documentary that I watch, obviously similar, is, is the Colleen Rooney, Wagatha Christie documentary, where Colleen Rooney um, accused someone from Rebecca Vardy's account, Rebecca Vardy being another footballer's... Um, wife or I think she yeah she was married to Jamie Vardy wasn't she and still is um of leaking information from her private Instagram account do you remember where we were when that no I, I don't we were here right I remember saying to you oh my god you will not believe what Colleen Rooney's just <laughs> just tweeted so I read it out to you and I was like and you were like <gasps> it's guys it's Rebecca Bar- Rebecca Vardy's account yeah yeah um, and then there was a great a great big court case, which um, like in in sort of the circles that I move in, very of great interest in terms of who is taking whom to court, how is it all manifested, is it going to settle, is it not, and also who who would win at the end of the end of the day. So I took a great deal of interest. I, I remember reading a lot of the transcripts during the the day as well. What I think is really interesting about this documentary is, and and why everyone was so shocked is. Colleen Rooney does not court press attention. Mm. Um, and not in that, and I'm this is not me judging Rebecca Vardy, but Rebecca Vardy very much was someone who had a relationship with the press. So she had a column, for example. She was doing front page covers of um magazines, and particularly with the Sun, she had a big relationship with, with the Sun. Um Colleen Rooney whilst whilst young in her younger days has done sort of like hello photo shoots and and those are things isn't someone who does um the one show or um 
have a column in the mirror or do you know what I mean that she just she's very much she's never really had a voice she has concentrated on being a um, wife and mother to her four boys she has got her hands full that woman uh, I suspect the difference is that Colleen has had this since she was 16 absolutely whereas Rebecca Vardy it was when she was in her mid-30s when yes. Jamie Vardy came to prominence and it's I suspect it's still very new to her yes whereas you know Colleen probably had didn't have the best relationship with the press mm. being a 16 year old totally. who was on the front pages yeah I mean and the documentary goes into this, you know, she's packed going to school. She yeah. has to leave school because paparazzi are following her to school. In a school, you know, I mean, there's something really horrible when you see the photos as well. You would when hope she's talking that wouldn't happen now. It. And I know that that's... Yeah, yeah. I know. And you, I know it's you 20 years ago, that. but yeah. But, mm, you know, they were hiding behind, they were lifting bonnets up and hiding behind it. And what, how terrifying that, that must be for a 16-year-old lass in the middle of Liverpool just going to school. And she, she was... Um, very, um, she was very bright, and she was going to do her A levels, and she ended up not not doing that. And again, like you know, there's there's levels, isn't there, to all of these things? She lives a very comfortable lifestyle. She's mm. got her lovely boys. Um, she's got a beautiful house, and and the renovating the house, and all these things. About, I mean, the the house is absolutely stunning. Like, I really want to show you the house because it's got this gorgeous drive, and it's just really tastefully done. And you know, you you know, you do that thing of looking in people's houses, and you go, yeah, you know what? If I had a lot of money, I'd do my house out like this as well. But what I loved about it, and and it's not of on the Beckham side of things, it's not as glossy. You know, it is very much Disney Plus, and it's it's there's there's no sort of there's no sheen to it. It is very much a standard documentary. Yeah. But what I loved about it was you got to know more about her and who she is and who her her family are. And I I I really like her. I came away just feeling like what a lovely woman and a lovely fa- a particularly lovely family family who um uh, clearly a family of faith clearly a family who have um really helped people have been a foster family and also um and this sort of goes to our own circumstances and is very emotive for us but they also adopted a little girl with um profound and multiple learning disabilities who um also had life limiting illnesses and and died 10 years ago um still very young and you can see the impact that that has had on her family and also on her as a person. And she yeah. talks about how she keeps things to herself. You know, she didn't tell anyone about what she was going to do when she um, set a trap for whoever was leaking her yes. information to the press. And a lot of that, I think, comes psychologically from the fact that she is she was a sibling of a um, profoundly disabled child. And, and the pressure that puts on you to be okay when things are not okay and also the grief that she must feel the desperate grief that she must feel because her sister has died um and I, I just came away thinking oh good for you you know like good for you you've got your hands full there's a bit in the documentary where she's like you know what everyone thinks i'm off doing champagne lunches but i'm just in the car and it was like oh you know we're in we're totally different worlds but i felt such a resonance with her of like yeah i know that feeling i've only got one kid but i'm well in the car every five seconds Mm. you know going to the shop coming back she says i'll go and get a coffee and then i have to and she's there's this other bit where she's getting all their bags ready for school and i'm like again i've only got one kid i've not got four and I'm doing that, you know, every night going, right, where's the things? Where's it? Have we got the swimming bag? Have we? Got... And all of hers are like lined up. And yeah, I, I just really enjoyed getting to know more about her. And I really, and she was on Woman's Hour. She was on the one show. And I, I really hope that now our kids are getting a little bit older. She has like these opportunities to do more for herself. And I think she'd be, she just, she's a really interesting voice. And um, particularly having been in the public eye for such a, um, long my time, and I think she carries herself with um, real dignity. Yeah, and, I agree with that. And I and I really like that, and so it, it felt nice to to watch that. Um, okay, final final documentary. Are you ready? We're doing these quickly, apparently. Yeah, so. I know, I know. Um, final documentary is absolutely for you. 
you will love this documentary okay it hits so many different things for you and i wish i'd watched it with you but i'm glad i've seen it because i don't think we would have found it um because it's hit it was hidden away it's a documentary on amazon prime and it's called the greatest show never made have you heard of it it rings a bell um i something rings a bell tell Mm. me about it okay so I'm going to keep it very, very brief in terms of the premise because yeah. I want you to watch this. It's 2002. Big Brother is at its absolute height. We've got um, Jade Goody is in the Big Brother house. Reality TV has completely taken off. Heat magazine's probably going mad. You and I are both in our early 20s and we are probably living with groups of people, Yeah. You think, you're I was like, probably back home at that point. I was, yeah. But you, you know, you've had that experience of living UNA. with other people. I would have moved up the year after. Yeah. So, but it's it's of that time, isn't it? Where yes. you're meeting people, you're forming who you are as an adult. And like I say, reality TV has blown up at this point, And everyone who's a normal person on the street wants to be famous. And adverts... Um, put out um, flyers are given out on the millennium bridge it's in the back of the stage um contestants wanted for new reality tv show um you know must be energetic must be colorful um and um you know a hundred thousand pounds auditions are held um they uh, have to travel down to london and it's a small group of people but you know and then some people um auditioning them and then some people are told you know you're not successful but then they're told actually someone's um pulled out so you're in um so these 30 people um then give up their jobs their flats so their tenancies um some of them even say um i think my relationship's going to come to an end at this point because i'm going to go and be part of this reality tv show and they all descend into one of the parks in London and meet each other for the first time. Um, and there's one cameraman there and the cameraman has also applied as part of this process and is expecting, you know, other people, thinks it's going to be a good experience to be part of the camera camera team. And it transpires that the producer, who is a 25-year-old called Nikita Russian perhaps doesn't have the channel for commission <laughs> that he has led people to believe is taking place and the there is no champagne there is no Davina McCall they are just in a park it's raining very heavily they have nowhere to live they have no food they have no money and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. This documentary takes a look back at how that happened, who those people were, and also then there's a bit of a mystery, isn't there, about who this Nikita Russian is, who he was at the time, and what's he what's he doing now? Um, if I tell you Nikita Russian is not his name. Um, funny that. Yeah. And when you find out what his name is, it's really actually it's quite funny. Um on the surface, I thought this was going to be really throwaway. I thought this was just going to be a bit of a laugh of, oh, you know, isn't it funny how at that time we were just so, you know, desperate to be famous that people would give up their jobs. I mean, some people were like working in the city as well. They were, but they were convinced they were going to be the next big thing. They were, you know, but like I say, Big Brother was on at the time yeah. um, and win money. They were going to win money. They were going to be famous. Um some of them wanted to be presenters some of them wanted to be actors they wanted to get into that industry but also they just they wanted what they saw other people getting yeah and you think it's going to be funny and you think it's going to be quite light but as it and it's there's only three episodes but as it goes on it's probably one of the most moving things that i've seen Mm. for a while and it speaks to, without giving too much away, it speaks to that time in our lives. So if you are in your 40s, that time in your life in the early 2000s where you probably were sharing a house with people, you know, whether that was a big house, like I shared houses with like six other blokes. Um, I shared houses with lots of, you know, a couple of people. Weird things happened in those houses. We were funny people all chucked together. There were romances, there were fallouts, you know. And I remember at that time, we had pictures of all we we'd gone to get the paper 
and we had we cut out the photographs of all the Big Brother contestants and we stuck them up against the mantelpiece. This is why I was living, you know, with with these people. And then we watched, we religiously watched that program. And when they left, we pulled their picture off, and we were so invested in it. And I, I remember, you know, sitting one of my friends in the house. We we went and bought Heat magazine every week, and we read it from cover to cover together. It was like a bonding thing for us. And you think sometimes, like, where are those people now? Like, some people you keep in touch with, some people you don't. What happened to them? Um, and so, it it's. It becomes so emotive, I think, for you personally watching it if you are of that age. But also, I think, just generally to see what happened at the time. Because obviously, there's loads of footage because they were filming. So you can see them in that, you know, you see it dawn on them. You can see the sort of like, what is going on? I want to know as little about this as possible. So, and yeah, and, and it reveals itself to you in the most amazing way i thought it was fantastic i'm interested because i feel you have an investment in this that doesn't sound like it's in the show Mm. just as nostalgia from the time yeah Um, it was part that but part it's a it's a human there's a human element to this i don't uh, so my 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 worry about this Mm. is i don't understand what happens beyond episode one yeah um Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 Which yeah. I think is a problem with a lot of documentaries now. So, but like I say, yeah. it reveals itself okay. to you. Could I watch it and then we we'll do another podcast on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I also this is going to make this <laughs> awkward. So you've been watching Bodies. Uh, so Bodies, which is also on Netflix, and is not a documentary. I had zero interest in this because mm-hmm. I assumed this was a medical drama. <laughs> Well, there was a medical drama called Bodies. This might be where, yeah. Yeah. I now have heard a little bit about it Mm -hmm. and now really want to watch this. Yeah. Um, Do you want me to do a very, very brief thing, not giving anything away? I mean, I'm not sure you can (laughs) do everything. I think you'll be giving third act revelations out by the end of it. Um, So I'll I'll talk about sort of how I came to it. I heard other people talking about this and um, because it had Stephen Graham in, it had lots of other people that was sort of like an ensemble cast. But then um, somebody said like sort of the premise of it and I was like, oh, they said it was mind bending and I just thought, I don't think I'm in the mood for mind bending. But I thought I'll watch one episode of it and I'll see how it goes. I watched it in two days. I think it was one of the most phenomenally plotted shows I've watched in some time without telling you anything about the show. I have sat and thought about how it works and and it does work. You know, sometimes when you... I'm going to use the term mind-bending. I'm not going to use any other adjectives with it. When there are mind-bending shows, there comes a point in the show where you go, ah, you've lost me. I was enjoying it, I was enjoying it. And now it's gone. Or, yes. Oh, you've just you've gone down a path that I cannot follow. I was waiting for that to happen throughout the whole of this show, and it never did. Uh, so for me, that sounds like I think one of the one of my favorite films of the past twenty years, Inception, mm-hmm. never reached that point, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. pulled pulled off the landing, and everything now, worked. Now you may completely disagree. And I think there are some there are some people out there who have said, you know, yes, it, it's not for me. It's just too much. Or, um, and there are, as with all things, when you get to the end or a reveal, you can either go with it or you can't. And I I can find things. I could if I sat here, I could find things and go, oh well, that was a bit convenient. Or that, but it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. Again, right at the beginning of this, I thought. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. Um, I don't like that character. And I don't understand why we keep going back over here. By the end, I was crying about events and about people who at the beginning, I didn't appreciate or I didn't, I just thought, oh, I wish that plot line wasn't in. Mm. Again, it there was a real emotional response. Okay. I would really recommend everyone watch it. That is my plan. That's the next thing I'm going to watch. Not on the treadmill because I don't want to run that long. I imagine they're hour long episodes. I think they are quite like, yeah. yeah I think they I'm are not quite long. That. Yeah, don't be doing that. Stick to me half an hour comedy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, well, sorry, I know I've taken over the whole of television this that, week. But, I'm going to um, quickly run over. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's some really good stuff on TV at the moment and across all genres. And yeah. I think we're, we're, there's a, I just think it's really nice when you come on the pod and you're like, you know what, I've got loads to talk about because cause it's so good because entertain the entertainment industry is working really well and the acting is brilliant and the production's brilliant and it just yeah it's quite uplift I found it quite uplifting to watch so many talented people and productions and to and for that to be there I was, felt very I think the word like I felt very thankful that these things are around particularly when you need you need them you know, I think okay. it's good. Television can really help. Shall I talk about some films? Saturday night at the movies. Who cares what picture you see? When you're with your baby, let's roll in the balcony. So, two films I've seen Blackberry and Totally Killer. And then we've both seen The Creator, which I feel has passed by. Yeah. But but let's let, let's touch base, because we've not really swapped stories about that. No. Um, in the month since it's come out. Touch on Blackberry first. Blackberry is the story of Research in Motion, which is the company that had the Blackberry phone. Did you ever have a Blackberry phone? No, it was a bit too high tech for me. I had a Nokia, a little Nokia. See, I had a work Blackberry. Which people, lots of people did, didn't they? That was sort of the big thing that if you were senior, and I remember at the time there were senior people within the industry I worked in that were given Blackberries. I mean, I wasn't very senior, but I just wanted to <laughs> get hold of me. The reason I liked to my Blackberry was there was a separation. So when I didn't care about work, I could switch it off and leave it at home and put it in a drawer until, for the weekend. Whereas now I think I'm very careful with what, and I work in an industry where people don't necessarily email on a weekend or text on a weekend or whatever, but I know a lot of people like are getting stuff all throughout the night and feel obliged to sort of check it. And WhatsApps as well. That's yeah. it. It seems work seems to have sort of, sort of found its way into WhatsApp groups and things. Ah, uh, you see, I, like, I don't WhatsApp people who I work for, work for me and stuff like that, because I think it's quite, I think the invasive thing is the fact that you can see when people are online and see when people have read it. I, mm. If I need to get hold of someone and I, we now use Teams, but in the past I would drop a text mm. just because, like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, read it, re- don't read it, you know, like, yeah, whatever. I, I try not to text people from work anyway because uh, I tend to leave it. But anyway, I, I loved my Blackberry. I was sad when it went because it was replaced with a really shit system in my old job. Um, what was it replaced with? I can't remember what. So it was this, it, so because I worked for in the finance sector, it had to be ultra secure uh, emails. So it was a Citrix thing that really drained your battery, oh, and wow. uh, yeah, you had to jump through a lot of hoops to get. And them. then did everyone just get a mobile phone that could do what the BlackBerry could do? Well, this was. I mean, I had a smartphone before I had a BlackBerry, but yeah, I think a lot of the yeah. Like Office three six five means that you can just get an app on your phone and just type it in. There was no, there was no centrally hosted email platform and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it means it's a lot easier just to add things onto your phone. Um, you don't yeah, you don't need any infrastructure internally that would do that. You just buy the email off Microsoft, mm, and you just get apps on your phone, and that's yeah, yeah and then okay. that's done. Yeah. So this is a story, and it's kind of one of a trilogy of films for me this year uh, with Air and Tetris none of which you've seen I don't no, think no I haven't but I feel like I have <laughs> yeah. I it's, a, it's a bit like me talking about documentaries you, you've you really enjoyed those stories and talking to me about the, those I industries Air. Yeah, I liked Blackberry Yeah, Tetris was also Tetris out this was, year yeah. <laughs> um, so Air is very nostalgic for the 80s um, Blackberry is very nostalgic for the 90s and 2000s, but less so. I think Air, Air is a film that I love and might, may very well be in my top 10 for the year, but there is a hell of a lot of... Remember the 80s? Do you remember when we did this in the 80s? I think Blackberry's more 
more focused on dealing with the actual development of a of a phone that changed the world until the iPhone came out. Really, it stars Jay Baruchel. Do you know Jay Baruchel? Um, I feel I do, but maybe I don't say their name in the way that you just have. I might not be Jay Baruchel. That could be it. Yeah, that could be it. I mean, I know the name, but I could I couldn't tell you what they look like though. So he's one of the he's one of the, like the frat pack. Uh, that's him. No, I mean, no. you're showing he's me a picture. He's one of the no. Seth Rogans, uh, like Seth Rogans' little crew that mm-hmm. was in all those films, Knocked Up. He might not be in Superbad, but he was in This Is The End. He was in um, She's Out On My League, I think. Or I think these are all films that I don't watch. Yes, so, that, that yeah. makes sense, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds like something that you wouldn't do. And is he playing sort of like one of the Blackberry executives? He plays Mike, one of the... Uh, one of the founders of Blackberry, along with Doug, who... Jay is kind of the tech genius. Doug is kind of the... The money? No, 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 definitely not the money. (laughs) Doug is more the... He's shown to be a bit of a clown around the office. He always wears a red headband. He's played by Matt Johnson, who also wrote and directed this film. Um, And they they are struggling in business. They have this great idea for how to use an unused part of the mobile phone carrier signal to carry emails. And they come across, as they're pitching for money, they come across Glenn Howerton, who is in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Nope. Okay. You would probably recognise him? I probably would. He plays an awesome, shit, sleazy shitbag. Okay. And this is kind of what he is in this. Okay. Um, he plays a guy called Jim, who gets fired from his job um, in a, I guess, a... a um, what would now be called a venture capitalism, I guess. And remembers these guys, thinks they've got something about them, and therefore says, oh, look, I'll leave my job and come work for you in exchange for X amount of the company. And it's just how they build. Um, there are some amazing, amazing pitch scenes. I'm a big fan of Mad Men. I love the pitches that are in there. And there is one of the best pitches I've seen on film probably since the end of Mad Men. Uh, where they are pitching the idea to the guys that I think AT&T are one of the major mobile networks. This is just a lot of fun. Um, it shows how it went, how it goes from being a bit of a joke company where they're just playing about and having film nights every night and just playing computer games and stuff like that into being one of the biggest companies in the world. And then how they how they didn't see the future coming and couldn't understand why anyone want an iPhone over a Blackberry. Uh, okay. It's, it's a lot, yeah, everyone, Jay Baruch is really good as Mike as this kind of zen, um, almost like Steve Jobs equivalent, um, kind of ex, kind of eccentric. Glenn Howerton is great as, as the absolute bastard boss who is not taking the slightest but knows how to get shit done. If I had an outside chance, I'd say I had an outside chance as best supporting actor, but okay. it's it's kind of that. Right. I think the the weak point in this is probably Matt Johnson, because it feels like he's in a different movie, which for a writer-director is an interesting thing. Sometimes just the camera just cuts to him and his face is just reminds me of like a Muppet, which <laughs> Right. That, that put that on the post there. Yeah. Um, but look, this is this is a great fun. This is a four star film. I enjoyed it. Um, I knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. I knew a little bit about the business, but I didn't quite realize it was this chaotic. Okay. I, I it sounds interesting. Yeah. I, it sounds like the sort of thing. I don't think I'd go and see it at the cinema, but I definitely like stick it on a Friday night, possibly while when you're out. That's yeah. That's, that's a really good film. <laughs> yeah. Totally killer. Yes. Now for something completely different. Very much so. Do you know much about Totally Killer? I'd never heard of it until I saw you watching it on the telly and it looked like a teen slasher sort of film, maybe a Halloween-y type thing. Okay. Have I got the wrong end of the stick? Oh, com- like horror comedy or something no, like that? You've, you're pretty much on the nose. Okay. <laughs> this is this is very much a made-for-TV movie. It's just gone to Amazon Prime. Our Prime Video, as it's now called. Stars Kian and Shipka. Also of Mad Men, uh, playing played Sally Draper, the little daughter, <laughs> little daughter. God, that's uh, I mean, she's not anymore. <laughs> yeah, she grows up in a town where in 1987 there were a spate of horrific murders around 
a group of girls from high school and the town's kind of living on this uh, reputation there is a podcaster who has a podcast about uh, it <laughs> yeah. uh, the town when um on halloween lots of people dress up as the with the mask the killer war mm-hmm. same sort of thing that you see on screen yep um kieran chipka's mum is played by julie bowen nope jack's wife in lost Ooh, okay. I still can't see her. Okay. But I know exactly who you mean, but I can't bring her to mind. But yeah. Okay. Anyway. Go, on, go on. Then one Halloween, the killer comes back. Mm-hmm. He performs more murders and then he's chasing. <laughs> perform more, I nearly gave away a bit of a, a, bit of a plot. Performs more <laughs> yes, performs more murders. Doesn't murder. <laughs> He's chasing after Kieran Shipka's character. She gets into a time machine that's made by her best friend and is transported back to 1987, which is the years when year when the murders take place, to investigate what is going on. Naturally. I know I saw your eyes roll when I when she's when I said but she gets into she gets a time, time machine. machine. I had such a barrier with that part of the film, it felt like something, a scene out of CBeebies where, you know when we occasionally have CBeebies on during the day and there's kind of something for, like Blake's gone to school mm. and we switch it on and there's like one of them things where they're, I can't remember what it's called, um, but this, it's set in Scotland. and Oh, I know exactly what you mean, Mac, Mac and Molly or that, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah, And it's an older brother and a sister. And, yeah, and the dad. Yeah. Who's and it's the, all a yeah. bit Balamori. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there is a scene like that where it's like, oh, I've made a I've made a time machine for the science fair, but I just can't get it to work. It's, yeah, I've put it in a photo booth. Um, yeah. Awful scene. Awful scene. Knock a star off for that. From there, it becomes a really fun romp. Um, you get Kieran Sherpka going back to the 80s and having to deal with the very different culture, the very different sexual politics that were going around in the 80s. There is a there's some brilliant observational humour about how lax things are in the 80s. Like she runs into school and goes, I need to know I need to know exactly what class this student is in now. Um I know you're gonna have prop oh she's in class seven A. It's like, oh there's no barriers to putting this in anymore. There's no security anymore. You can and just And there's no just data tell. protection. And yeah. yeah, just so, yeah. Right, she okay. then starts hanging around with her mum, who's played by Olivia Holt, who we last saw in Cruel Summer. Yes. Brilliantly played, playing her mum as... Yeah, um, as a younger yeah. version. Um, this is very movie literate. So because oh. it's 1987, yeah. she's able to go around saying things like, do you know, have you seen Back to the Future? Mm. Like, yeah, like, I'm in that. This is happening to me right now. Yeah. There's not a lot of big name actors because this is a straight to, straight to TV movie. Um, there's Lachlan Monroe who was in... Um, he's a character actor you will 100% recognise. He plays a dad. Uh, there is... Oh, God, who else is there? Oh, Randall Park, who you'll know from WandaVision and mm. yeah. uh, the Ant-Man films. Yeah. Um so there's good people in it. Yeah, there's good people in this. This is a, this is a lot of fun. If you can put up with it being absolutely shit at points. But yeah, there's far worse times that you can spend. Like if coming up to Halloween, if you want like a fun slasher with knowing meta references. You know, at one point there's a reference to Oh, it's like that film where um, it's like maybe maybe there'll be two killers, like that film where you think it's going to be Drew Barrymore in it, but it's not, um, okay. and it's like, what's that? Like, oh, it's not even out yet. So yeah, <laughs> it's that sort of jokes. Okay, I think everyone's fine. It's that one thing of mm. oh, and her friends built a time machine. Yeah, but yeah, three and a half stars. Lovely. Do you know, it's very half. different from Totally Killer. <laughs> what the creator? <laughs> yeah. It was which ne- I really dislike the name. I know that's really weird thing to pick on, but my understanding is that the name that it was produced under and then it was subsequently changed um, was True Love, which I much prefer. Other people have said, "Oh no, True Love's a terrible." I name think that's for a it. fucking awful title. But I really like it, but mainly because um, Charlotte Hatherley 
um, the of, mu- of musician fame. When she left Ash, the band, and she went solo, she did a number of albums that were all really, really different. And then when, sort of like, not under her own name, she, she changed and she did an album um, under the name of Silvertongue and did a lot of sort of like Bowie-inspired references and a lot of sci-fi. And then she did um, soundtracks for films and TV on a very soundtrack level. And... One of the later albums, um, under her own name again, was called True Love. And it, it was very ethereal and sci-fi. And I thought, actually, when when I heard this, the creator was called True Love, it just seemed to marry up in my mind with the sci-fi-ness of the Charlotte Hatherley album and also the, uh, the videos that were put out at the time. So I've got that connection in the back of my head, but I can understand other people who don't have that probably think it's like a romantic comedy. Yeah, I'm surprised but, that Gareth Edwards didn't yeah, break yeah, into account I know. the uh, catalogue yeah, of I, I did it. I, I, I really had that connection with it. And I thought, oh, I, I really like that. Because this is all about, you know, artificial intelligence. It is very much a sci-fi film. It's set in the future where humans and synthetic humans ai um are in certain parts of the world battling against each other there has been an incident uh people are very much taken against ai because of that incident uh, but some parts of the world aren't some parts of the world uh, the east in particular are embracing ai and so there is that that battle between east and west which is really interesting there are big spaceships in the sky but there are also um really grounded really grounded cinematography in in sort of paddy fields and with with water and on the ground you know it really feels like you can feel the dust and the mud and the you know, things in the air and the water so it's it's this real juxtaposition of real i keep saying real but this realism but also this sci-fi element to it as well um which i i found incredibly compelling and i really loved it <laughs> i was trying to think where do i go from here but i might as well just jump into it I really, really liked this film and I have subsequently (laughs) listened to a number of podcasts where I then felt like I was the only person in the world that liked the film. Um, There were some people, uh, for for example, I think if you want a a different opinion, uh, go and listen to our friends at the movie Robcast because they very much felt a, a, a different way to my little love fest there. Where where do you come out in this? Was it for you? Was it not for you? So, I can't quite work out where you're going to go with it. This is a film I respect more than love. Um, I think this is one of the most beautiful sci-fi's I've seen for a long time. Like it for me, this everyone talks about how Dune was such a beautiful film cinematographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Works I, for me. I, I don't know if I, where I ended up on that word, but. Um, and I think this looked better, like um, with a like a, about a quarter of the budget. Mm-hmm. I think the design of like the AI people, so mm-hmm. just Alfie. I think it's beautiful. I think it looks so so well done. The problem for me is every twenty minutes there was a narrative failure that it felt like a. There is so much hand waving in this film mm. of oh well, it doesn't matter yeah we'll yeah. just move on. Um, there seems to be scenes missing. Yeah. Um, there is one character who we are shown to feel a certain way, and then the next time we see them, they apparently have gone completely the other way, and there is there is no connection between. We don't see the movie, or it's just like sudden. One minute they're it's a bit like one minute they're really left wing and the next time next minute you see them really right wing and you can't there's no connection between that's not what happens but that's my only yeah. thing I can think of I, there's no connection between how that happened or no lines so it feels like there's something missing and I agree there there are plot holes galore and I don't normally spot those mm. but there are there's a scene where they are trying to get into a city and um, 
Alfie and Joshua are hiding in a car. They, uh, Joshua can hide underneath the car or something like that, out of view, but Alfie is like, there's a checkpoint, and they're like, how many children have you got with you? Blah, blah, blah. And there's the, there's a lot of tension in that scene because the people doing counts of how many kids, like, you've got this extra kid, where, where's this kid come from? And then they get out of it through plot contrivance. Mm. Literally the next scene, you see them in the city getting on a bus, and it's like, hang on. Like, yeah, is there not an issue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. John David Washington is a black man in... East Asia, mm-hmm. and there is not shown to be not a lot of black men there, but mm-hmm. yet his face is that. How is he not standing out like a sore thumb around when the they're, city they're where they're specifically they are. looking for yeah. him? Yeah, and all it needed was just like a scene where they can show how you've got something who can t- control electronics, so mm-hmm. it's not hard to see how you can make these boards stop showing pictures of John David mm-hmm. Washington on them. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, that was the only thing that held me. But I, I felt it. For me, I, I felt it was a four star film. Yeah. I think it could have been a five star film if those things had been ironed out. And it's, it's one of those films where it, it only needed just a little more work. You just if if only like you say there was just mm. a little more detail there, yeah. as well as the detail in the way that it looks and feels. This feels like a four hour film that's cut down mm. to two mm. a quarter yeah. hours and. It, that, Maybe it's a four-hour miniseries. Um, the cast do a great job. Yeah. I mean, Gemma Chan is underserved. She's always at, underserved. Yeah. I feel for Gemma Chan because mm. I think she's got so much more to give and yet she seems to be the sort of... She pops up and is a love interest and then pops up and is a love interest. You know? And yeah. I thought, oh, great, she's going to get more to do here and it just didn't transpire. Um like you say, John David Washington is mm. solid. I, I I know he. You've seen him in Black Klansman, and, and clearly playing a different genre there. But I think he could have walked out of Tenet and gone straight into this. I didn't really see a difference there. I would I would yeah. like to see more, but maybe that's only because I've ever seen the only things I've ever seen him in a sci-fi, and that's probably just that's my bad. That's, I mean, that's good for you because that mm. means you didn't see didn't see Amsterdam which no it's true but yeah I would like to see him in something different as well and Mm. that's my own fault for not watching him in other things um the the child that plays the child Alfie um is absolutely stunning really reminded me of your likes of your Hayley Joel Osments and other young actors who put it up there yeah yeah, who, who you who emote so well but not in an over the top way very very true to life good, good dialogue as well i felt that you know building the relationship between people mm. i really loved the emotion um without going into any plot spoilers you know the emotion there the emotional lines the idea of you know what is what is love and what is fear you know what is real and what is not real i really enjoyed that and there were certain things that happened in the film that really um, resonated with me and experiences that you know I have had and you have had that yeah. probably gave it a bit of an extra boost for me because I I could relate to the, those things um, and I put myself in the position of the people and you know what would I do if this this particular thing had happened so yeah I, I really loved it on that basis I tell you what I also loved which I think it's had a bit of a flat bit of flack for but I really loved what I feel a really really you know, um, purposeful references to other films. There was um, a reference to Aliens that I, I clapped my hands together. There was hardly anyone in my cinema. I clapped my hands together and rolled my head back because I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, And it wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to be, you know, James Cameron. Blah, blah, blah. It, so, but, yeah, it's... you know, it was just, it was a proper nod. And the um the huge huge nods to Apocalypse Now and other That's Vietnam films. Yeah. I really like the idea of going back to Vietnam because people don't do that anymore. It's almost like you had a lot of those films that talked about it, and then we've moved on to other things. But also real references to um, 9/11, to the war in Iraq. You know, bringing it up to date. There was a lot for me to think about. Um, I really liked Alison Janney in a role that. 
not against type because Alison Janney has been in roles where she she needs to be hard and hard faced and quite tough, but seeing her in a military role here, I re- I thought she did a brilliant job and actually she didn't have much to do, but I got everything from what I needed. You know, I got everything from the lines that she gave and the way that she she performed it. What about General Finchie? I, I know Ralph Innocent. <laughs> you know what? For the longest time, when I when he, that character came on the screen, I thought it was um, Clancy Brown. Well, it, I mean, it's very made up, and it mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah, and I was like, "Is that Finchie? Yeah, is he going to get him to throw something over a pub?" <laughs> But um, then really, uh, with the link, it then really reminded me of Starship Troopers. You know, there was a real yeah. Starship Troopers element to it. And like I say, it's, I think it's had criticism for um, people throwing Blade Runner at it and other other things. And I, I think it, though, there's a fine line, isn't there, between nods and, oh, it, oh, you're just ripping off those things. And I think this is a filmmaker who loves those films. And if I was making a sci-fi with AI and, you know, these contexts in them, too, right, I'd be pulling from all of my experiences as a a teenager and as an adult. Of course, I've consumed all this stuff for years. Those are going to be my references. So yeah, it was four stars for me. I'm I'm glad you didn't absolutely hate it because I have well. I have heard people who've really taken it apart and I don't think it deserves it. I think we should be I mean this is a this is an a uh, film where you know, it's not a franchise. It's not a Marvel or a DC. It's, it's lovely to see just a just original piece yeah. of, of film. Yeah. Yeah, with beautiful cinematography mm. and not a gigantic budget you know not a stupid but getting the most budget, out of the budget you know but getting but but looking like it is yeah um i i just really enjoyed it and i thought oh good for them <laughs> you know like and i know it hasn't done particularly brilliantly in the box office which i think is a real shame mm, well i'm hopefully it can make some money on the yeah yeah on when it video. does all the video yeah video. <laughs> blockbuster yeah yeah well that's it I'm going to come back after watching a couple of TV shows, apparently, (laughs) and we can have a a more in-depth discussion. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening. If you would like to follow us, we are on Twitter at the minute and Instagram at The Honeymoon Pod. And we're also on Letterboxd. Oh, well done. I am anyway. Yeah, I know. But I thought I'd mention that. What are we on Letterboxd? Is it? It's at The Honeymoon Pod. At The Honeymoon Pod, right. Where where you can find out what I think, see what I think about films before a podcast Mm -hmm. comes out. Um, Yeah. If you'd like to leave us a review, uh, you can do so on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I believe it's now mm-hmm. called. Or um, star rating on uh, Spotify. That would be fun. Yeah, excellent. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>